You're listening to Movers and Shakers, the SailMove podcast on customer experience. SailMove, delivering the in-person customer experience online. To learn more, visit SailMove.com. Hey, I'm Jeffrey Mack, Director of Marketing at SailMove, and welcome to another episode of Movers and Shakers, SailMove's podcast on customer experience. Today, our CEO, Dan McKaylee, speaks to Seth Hall, the Senior Vice President of Customer Service at Philadelphia Insurance Companies. In this episode, we'll talk about customer feedback and the challenges of incorporating it into a support organization. We'll also discuss voice of the customer and the importance of understanding what customers really want. Finally, Seth will reveal which common customer service KPI they no longer measure for success. Enjoy the episode. So welcome, Seth. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. So tell me, how do you define customer experience, Seth? Well, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think it's one that uh, a lot of us have been trying to uh, get our arms around for, for quite some time. For, for us, it's, it's how people are uh, emotionally feeling about the, the experience or the transaction, whatever that might be, with us. So it's it's really that emotional kind of visceral reaction that they have to a call, to a endorsement request, to an email response. It's really that emotional feeling that they get about that, that transaction. So is it measured in a qualitative way then if it's an emotional response to you? So we, so there's a couple things that we're, that we're looking at to really track that. I mean, we do some standard measurements in terms of, which I'm sure a lot of listeners are very keenly uh, aware of in terms of OSTAT. Um, we do look at our, our net promoter score, which we think, uh, and we're very in tune with that. We feel like that gives us a, a really good feeling for how people are, are viewing our company. Um, and then we look at other things like effort score. Um, and, and so we're, we're trying to really pull all of these together to, to get an overall sense for how people are viewing, what's their perception, if you will, of Philadelphia uh, insurance companies and the experience that they're getting. Very interesting. And how would you, I guess, you know, I'm curious to hear your take on the overall, the, ins- the insurance industry. What are the biggest areas of improvement when it comes to customer experience within this industry? So I think what's interesting about insurance is a couple things. One is um, we certainly have been, as an industry, fairly late to um, we're not, uh, no one is accusing us of being innovators from a technology perspective. So, so certainly we're, we're a bit um, behind, if you will, from, um, from a technology perspective in terms of how we utilize technology to improve the overall experience. Um, but, it, but one thing that's been um, really quite profound and, and, and amazing to, to me is that if you think about insurance, um, and I'll, I'll talk specifically within my um, specific realm, but it's true for a lot of other um, commercial carriers, is that when someone makes a purchase, they really don't get anything. I mean, you go into an Apple store and you buy you know, a laptop or a watch or an iPad, whatever, you're actually getting something very uh, tangible, right? You can feel it, touch it, look at it, and get some level of enjoyment out of it. With insurance, all you're really getting is you're getting a promise that if something bad happens, that we'll be there. 
and, and will help pay the claims. And, and there's lots of things that happen in between a sale and a claim, but, but by and large, that's really it. And so what we try to do is for, for all of those touch points that do happen between the sale and a, and a claim, we're trying to make sure that we make that experience as easy and as positive as we possibly can because ultimately buying insurance a lot of times is sort of a grudge purchase. So the insurance industry is a tough one because you have to overcome that. And so um, I'm still amazed that um, we get a tremendous amount of feedback from people and this gets a little bit into our voice of the customer program, which I know we'll talk about in a few minutes, is the fundamentals are still just critically important returning phone calls, returning emails timely. Again, we could talk more specifics in, in a few minutes, but um, the basics of service are still um, really very meaningful and important to, uh, to our customer base. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that the within insurance and financial services, the, the, I think we're in an era today where, like you said, it's a promise, it's a contract, it's not a physical product, not something we can hold or touch or experience like that. And I think that that really, uh, what that creates is the product is really the customer experience. That's exactly right. And so, you know, we started our, our really our customer experience, very overt journey. When we realized that, when we, we started to, to realize that people were replicating our products, that, um, you know, margins were being squeezed and we all kind of looked around the table and said, you know, really is going to fundamentally come down to the, the experience people have. I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that's, that's really what we're providing is that experience to people. Um, you know, we think that there's some differences in our products and places, but there's a lot of insurance that's just a commodity. So then at the end of the day, what are you left with? You're left with that experience and that's what people are are buying and that's and that's the loyalty it's it's i'm loyal to that experience i'm having with with insurance company a versus insurance company b so you're right right it's it's a commodity and it's also very difficult for the end consumer whether that's a business or an individual to really discern the differences between the products that are out there both because they're a commodity and also because they're quite complicated so tell us a little bit about, I guess, I'd love to dive into customer feedback and sort of as, as a transition, as we go into the voice of the customer project, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, what are the challenges that come with incorporating customer feedback into the servicing process? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. So, um, you know, one of the things that's paramount to us is, um, you know, just going out and soliciting feedback and making sure you have a mechanism to do that. Uh, in terms of um, you know soliciting feedback via survey or getting unstructured data or pulling stuff from your social media um, components, that's great. That's that's half the battle. The other half is is what are you going to do with that? And you know you, you heard terms like closing the loop and and I think that that's where a vast majority. When I talk to other companies or people in our space, that's typically where people are falling down. Is is there inability to really execute on, all right, well, now I have all this data. What do I do with the data and how do I make this actionable? And so um, we kind of break it down into, to, to try to keep it simple into two things. One is there are cl- there's clearly feedback that we need to react to right away. It's, it's an anomaly, but it's something that occurred and we need to make sure that we're recognizing the issue and getting back to that customer 
ASAP. And for, for us, that means that day. So we're, we're literally, if we get a, a negative survey, we have an action management team that's jumping on that and they are responding to people immediately. And the, the upside and the lift that we've gotten from that is significant. The, the second piece is, is trying to discern what is more strategic and what is more, wow, this is really good feedback and let's, let's capture this. Let's make sure that people um, you know, know that we got the survey response, so let's recognize that. But let's tuck this one away and let's make sure that we're not forgetting about it because it's a really good idea. And if there's another you know, couple that support that, then all of a sudden maybe our customers are giving us the answers. And, it, and a real quick aside to that is we were able to, in that strategic bucket, look at all of the negative surveys that had something to do with billing, and it was about 33% of our issues came in regarding billing issues. And long story short, we were able to use that data to actually put in front of our um, um, uh, CEO and some others at the senior executive level and make a pitch to get a new billing system, which was then approved because we had that data. I had tried years prior to that without much success. But when I had the actual data that said 33% of our complaints, in theory, would go away, if we were to have a better billing system, that was really meaningful and very profound and really what I needed to, to sort of get this across the finish line. So again, I break the, the data that we receive into the tactical, what, what do I need to respond to right away, and the more strategic items that are more you know, themes and trends for things we need to, to look forward to. So triaging, matching, or I guess triaging, categorizing, and then matching to uh, initiatives that you know exist within the organization seems to be very important. That's exactly right. Okay, excellent. So let's let's talk a little bit then about the the, the actual initiative itself, the voice of the customer project. So you, you you know we were hinting at it a little bit right now. What was the state of the servicing organization when you started? Uh, I guess what was the genesis of this project? What were the objectives? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I think like a lot of companies, we were. Um, you know, we had some some feedback. It was sporadic. You know, so we would have a couple surveys here or there. Um, we weren't really doing anything with the survey, so the the data was coming in, and and uh, there was no action being taken on any of that. Um, the other thing is that we were we were very internally focused, and I think that uh, again, when I talk to other companies, um, this is um, where a lot of people find themselves, which is when you really look at a lot of the metrics that you have that you're using. A lot of them are very internally focused, right? You could sort of look at the metric and say, do your customers really care about this or about that? And so we, what we did was we rolled out a new voice to the customer program. We actually uh, partnered, partnered with a third party that provided the, the actual um, uh, application, if you will, and the ability to send out the surveys and the dashboards and all that, which was, which was important. Um, because of, you know, there's a lot of work. We wanted to make sure it was, you know, we weren't sending out surveys just to those experiences that went well, right? We wanted an anonymous kind of uh, random sampling um, that went out. So um, so the, the, the genesis really was looking at things with a different lens, looking at things from an outside-in perspective and saying, we really need to make sure that we're not patting ourselves on the back here because we've hit all these internal metrics when our customers really don't care about that. So we did a, 
a huge, we took a huge step back and said, what do our customers really care about? They care about things like professionalism on the phone. They care about timeliness of policy issuance. They care that things are um, high quality. We ca- they care that um, if they want to chat, that we're available, that when they call in, um, that we're available, we're, we're giving them a swift decision and not moving them all over the place. Well, if those are the metrics that they care about, then let's measure those things. And we translated that into the voice of the customer program. So we started with that effort, and then we started with, all right, what's the actual program that we're building? Like, how are we going to manage all this? Who are we sending the surveys out to? What are we doing with the feedback once we get it? And, and clearly, I can walk through all of those steps, but that's at a high level you know, the, the genesis for the, for the program, which is now five years um, um, running and, and, and doing quite well. Right. And, I, and, and that it takes guts to sort of look internally and say, what is it that, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing so well on these other metrics. What is it that they really care about? And how do we, how do we focus our initiatives on that? Because it, obviously it's going to require a lot of change. So it's important. Right. It's tough. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're, you're right. And so I'll give you a very tactical example that I think a lot of people will probably be able to relate to. Um, a very standard um, metric in, uh, in our service organization is much broader than just the contact center, but we do have one, which I know a lot of people manage. One of the things that um, you know, always struck me as a bit odd is why we were so focused on, on talk time when you know, our customers were saying, uh, you know, sometimes the calls are short, sometimes they're long. I just want it to be right. They, they never said um, specifically that I want you know, it to be a short call. They were just saying they want it to be done. They don't want to be transferred, and, um, and they just want it to be accurate. So we, we took that measurement out, which was a, a bit... Uh, to your point, sort of risky and, and um, you know, kind of held our breath a little bit. For those that have been in the operations or context center world for a long time, that's like a core metric, and we took it away. We actually just, we do, we do not measure that for the reps. Now, we, we look at that from an operational perspective, but we don't measure them on that because we mm-hmm. wanted to drive a different set of behaviors. We said, listen, we can't tell you on one hand that we want you to service this call and make sure you get it resolved and do whatever you need to do to make sure they walk away feeling good about it. But, oh, by the way, you have to do it in three minutes and 30 seconds. That, that just wouldn't make sense. They couldn't reconcile yeah, It's that. impossible. Impossible. Exactly. So when you get rid of that thing hanging over them, they were free to behave very differently. And we've, we've had that in place for about two, almost, almost two years now. And I'm telling you, it has dramatically changed things. Just that, that subtle shift in terms of um, what we're measuring, you know, reps on. And what do you see the changes that, that came from, from that specific? Let's take that example. What do you think were those changes that you really I, experienced? Yeah, I, so what I think is, is it, it, what, the trigger that went off for them, two things. Um, one is that they felt like we trusted them. Even though mm-hmm. we did before, they, they now saw it because what we were saying is the action supported the word. So before we were saying, we trust you, but oh, by the way, you have to adhere to these 15 metrics because we're tracking everything. So there was, we got a tremendous amount of lift from the, the staff feeling like we trusted them. That equated to them feeling like they now had ownership over that call. That was the biggest thing. And that's what they literally would say to us. And we did focus groups afterwards where they said, they felt like they owned the customer more than than before. Before they felt like it was 
it was a transaction. Now they feel like they can be consultative with them. Um, so those, those are the things that they said um, were really meaningful. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, a lot of service organizations talk about providing that autonomy, right? But there are certain sort of core steps that have to be taken before you can instill that in, in, in the reps, right? And I think that once you do, the results are just incredible. You just, you just see it, you, you see it in the feedback and, you, and, and uh, I think, like you said, it, you also feel it very much internally, yeah, and so hopefully, you know, there are people that are listening that are are thinking about it and I can I can I can tell them it is it is a big shift. It is a big change. And so I, I certainly don't want to underplay it and say, well, we just made the change on Friday and on Monday it was fine. I mean we definitely put a lot of thought into the messaging behind it, why we were doing it. We still wanted to manage everything. Um and there were people that were definitely, you know, anxious about it, but it has been um, it has been one of the best uh, decisions that we've made, and it was free. I mean, it wasn't a new app. It wasn't a new system mm-hmm. enhancement. It, wasn't a, it was just a change in philosophy um, that has really uh, paid dividends since then. I love that. Yeah, the, the fact that it's free. It's just a, it's, it's very – it's not simple, but it's yeah. – it's, right. No, I think that's great. I think we're going to have to do a part two on that because there's a, a lot of really – uh, great questions that I'd love to. There's a, so many different things that I'd love to explore further on even just that particular point. But uh, I wanted to ask you, I guess, sort of to start wrapping up, what are the most surprise, I guess, besides that, as one of the examples of one of the actions that you took, what are the what was the most surprising action, let's say that you took from your findings, you, you had this initiative where you went out and, and collected so much great information what was one that you you thought, oh wow, I, I didn't expect that we should do this, but yeah, let's let's move forward with this initiative. So one of the things that that just popped into my head is that, um, you know, I think it, it, it's such an interesting time in 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 insurance, but also in service operations because we're we're constantly getting barraged with you know technology and self service and and. Um, and we're we're always trying to to balance that because um, you know we want to make sure we're providing the right service at the right time to the right person and 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 we're trying to be we're trying to be smart about that. But I'm still amazed at how profound it is or can be to just execute on the fundamentals. And so. Um, you know, while I was telling you about the example of, of all the feedback generating a, a strategic um, uh, initiative, the new billing system, which we're actually doing now, we've also, um, and one of the things that's been amazing to me is, you know, there was an idea that came from someone that's on our team that said, you know, we should send, we should send uh, thank you cards to, to some of the people that are, are in our passive group. So these are people that are not promoters, not detractors. They're kind of, they've given us some feedback that they're on the fence, right? Mm-hmm. That they're not in love with Philly. They, they haven't had a big issue yet, but they're just kind of on the fence. And so someone within the team said, well, what about if we just write thank you cards? And, and, and we said, well, what do you mean? They said, like handwritten cards to, to, to some of the passives, just saying thank you for your business and, you know, feel free to call me if you ever need me. Here's our number. And, I said, well, I think that's great. So it started out with a very small group, and we have a, have a, t- a team of about 300 account executives that are um, regionally dispersed in, in the different offices. I would say within 
three, four weeks, the request back to home office to get more thank you cards was, was outrageous. I mean, people were, you know, asking for 10, 15 cards so that they could send handwritten thank you cards to our customers. And the feedback that we got from, from our agents and, and agents and customers in particular about it was awesome because these people were saying, oh my God, here I have, you know, on one hand, this, this one company that's trying to, you know, push me to this self-service option and it's all technology and new apps and this and that and flashy. But then I have this other company, Philly, that's writing me a handwritten card just thanking me for being a customer. And, and so because of how simple it was, it had a huge impact. And, you know, that, that keeps kind of, um, it keeps it sort of rearing its head that, that the fundamentals and the execution on the basics and the fundamentals is so important. And it, it, I think people try to get too cute with things at times and forget about that. And I think that that's, that's important. It's why you're seeing companies, um, and there's a, a big national credit card uh, company now that's playing a, a commercial where they are mocking the, um, the sort of the, the automated IVR system, right? Saying, mm-hmm. no, this is, a, this is a human being and you don't have to push zero and we're, we're a real person. And I think that they're fighting against this, this general push around technology, self-service, chatbots, automated IVRs, right? And so it's this very interesting kind of time that we're in right now as to which side do you go on? Do you balance it? It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I really, I really, I really hope that more and more companies can really appreciate that aspect and the and the fundamentals. Because ultimately, if you don't have the fundamentals down, anything you put on top of it, it's it's building a house with no foundation, you know. And 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 I think that I I hope I hope that in in our industry and in the customer experience world, more and more companies can appreciate that. I, I couldn't agree more. So I want to wrap up with uh, one one more question. Um, what do you think that the future of customer experience looks like? I think it's going to be, um, you know, a, a little bit of a, a, a balance of what I just said. And I think that it, to, to answer that, I'm going to go back just for a second to, um, if you think about traditional call centers, people, people would call whether they had a very transactional quick need or they, or they were calling about with something where they might have needed something a little bit more consultative in nature. And I think where we're headed is to a place where um, service organizations need to have those, those options available um, and be smart about sort of marketing those, those options um, to folks when they need it. And what I mean by that is clearly there's, there's going to be a need for, I have a quick question and I need a, I need a, I need resolution uh, quickly. And, and clearly with, you know, the, the, the younger workforce coming through, that's, that's a little bit more savvy from a technology perspective. We need to be um, aware that that's going to be something that they're going to want and feel very comfortable with in terms of self-service, in terms of a lot of, um, you know, self-servicing. But there's this other piece, too, of, of being very consultative when they need it. And, and I think understanding that when they need it is going to be very important. And I think that that's where you're seeing a lot of talk, and there has been for years, around data analytics and predictive analytics. I think that what that provides you is just a little bit more insight into 
some of the leading indicators of, of how people are feeling. And I think that that will get more sophisticated over time. Things like, you know, right now you have behavioral analytics, you have certain, you know, trigger words that, that appear and you're able to proactively address something with a customer. I think you're going to see that that becomes a lot more prevalent. So I think that, you know, there's certainly going to have to be a refined focus on how do you bifurcate the transactional needs that people have and when they need to have more of that partnership consultative approach with your organization. And I think, you know, it's going to be incumbent upon us as service providers to be able to use data a little bit more effectively in terms of where people might go and, 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 you know, which, which area of, of, of service they're going to go down. So I, I think those are, are, are just a few, um, you know, clearly the automation is going to be interesting to see how everything plays out in terms of, um, you know, chat functionality and doing a lot of stuff online that, um, um, you know, through chatbots and things like that, which I think is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. That's a great answer, Seth. I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> um, no, that's great. I think that it, it, you're right. It's it's sort of that it, what what part of it is self serve and what part of it is human and how to kind of identify those things and do so intelligently. I mean, I think that that's really where we're headed at this point. Definitely. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time today, uh, Seth. It was it was really very interesting to hear about the VOC initiative. And also how you were able to translate that insight into, you know, into actionable, uh, actionable strategy. And, and, you know, I really hope that we get a chance to do a part two sometime soon. That would be great. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to all of our listeners out there, keep making moves. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers, the sale move podcast on customer experience. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. To learn how SailMove enables companies to provide an in-person customer experience online, please visit SailMove.com.